Today on the Geek Rex Podcast, we talk about the Batman news that broke the world and apparently the internet. We also touch on The World's End and Your Next and a bunch of other sundry news items that came across on comics and film. You can find all of that here on episode 20 of the Geek Rex Podcast. So, two big movies came out this weekend. It was very exciting because they had a lot of buzz surrounding them, and I was very, very pumped, especially to get to the one we saw Friday night, which was The World's End. That thing had like a had like a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes after like 100 reviews, Shane. I mean... Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like, you know, use Rotten Tomatoes as my barometer of anything. Right. Because right? a lot of times I'll see a movie... And its reviews will be in, like, the 80s, 90s. Um, I try to think of a really good example. Uh, like, a movie like The Town, which is pretty good, you know. it's I You know, if I were scoring it, I'd give it, like, a 70-something. Um, but it was in the 90s. I saw it, left it, and I thought, eh, you know, I'm going to forget this in 10 minutes, probably. But, uh, you know, the world's in. Let's start there with about the 95% of Rotten Tomatoes. I had a lot of expectations going into it. I am a pretty big fan of the two preceding films in Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. Uh, what, 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 uh, what about you? Did you like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, uh, Shane? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I'm trying to remember how I first saw Shaun of the Dead because it, it was the first one I saw. And I guess... I think I must have seen it on TV because Comedy Central shows it all the time. Um, I think I probably saw it for the first time there. And uh, I remember Hot Fuzz coming out, but I didn't go see it. And then I saw it eventually on DVD because when it came out, my brother was like, you really need to watch this movie. And so I watched Hot Fuzz. And I actually kind of, um, I know you're not this way, but I really like Hot Fuzz a lot more than Shaun of the Dead. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that, works with me a little bit better than Shaun of the Dead does. Maybe it's because Shaun of the Dead, its last act, I kind of don't enjoy as much as everything preceding it. Yeah, I, I've seen Shaun of the Dead easily 15 times, and I never even saw it in the theater. I, it was it was one of these movies I saw on mm-hmm. DVD you know, after it came out and after some of the critical buzz had built up around it. I was like, well, I guess I should finally see this thing. And then I saw it, and I loved it. Um and I love that third act. I love when you know they the Queen song comes on and they start beating that bartender with the sticks. <laughs> you know, it's like one of my favorite mo- moments in the whole movie. Uh, it's also a great Queen song. But uh, Hot Fuzz, I've only seen one time. Wow, uh, yeah. I've seen it several. <laughs> I don't. I, I saw it once, and I thought I liked it okay. Um, it had a lot of the Edgar Wright isms that I enjoy. He's certainly a tremendous director. But I I ended up sort of revisiting Scott Pilgrim versus the world a lot more right. than, I, than I would have Hot Fuzz. Had Scott Pilgrim not existed, maybe I would have gone to Hot Fuzz a little more often and tried to you know check that out. The, right. The, Hot Fuzz isn't something I've seen a lot, but it is something I enjoy quite a bit. And there's a lot of jokes me and my brother will repeat to each other and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, technically from like a directorial standpoint, and then even to an extent from like an acting standpoint and things like that I, and even writing I think Scott Pilgrim's probably 
Edgar Wright's best movie going into World's End. Yeah, yeah, I could see the the debate there. I mean, I, I think Shaun of the Dead's pretty pretty strong, but right. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim has like a lot of that visual splendor that I enjoy. So uh, it's a living video game, and it's got some really cool music in it. So it's it really works out yep. nicely. <laughs> Um, the World's End, uh, it, you know, it basically is a, where Shaun of the Dead is a zombie film, and Hot Fuzz is their take on a Michael Bay buddy cop uh, actioner. Uh, this is their take on the uh, alien body invasion style movie, but only as Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost can do it. Uh, they're a group of 40-something-year-old guys that get together to reunite for their Golden Mile Pub Crawl in Newton Haven, which they failed to do in their high school years, but these group of guys, led again by Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, um, but Nick Frost a little begrudgingly, uh, all get together to try and uh, tackle the Golden Mile one more time. And in the midst of it, discover a giant conspiracy inside the town that uh, if you didn't know anything about the movie, you might actually be kind of surprised by what happens. <laughs> it's it's almost one of yeah, those... Yeah, I think uh, that happened to some of the people in the auditorium I saw it in. <laughs> I know. Based on the title, you know, you probably would figure out uh, something was going on. But it kind of reminded me of From Dusk Till Dawn, where something in the mid mid part of the movie just like shifts all of a sudden. Like I remember I showed Hannah From Dusk Till Dawn, and she thought it was just like a... Uh, 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 on the road crime movie, and then mm-hmm. they go to the strip club, and all of a sudden it's vampires, you know. <laughs> and this is this this almost had like some of that element to it too. Like if you didn't know that there were robots in this movie, right. um, you'd be really surprised by what happens in that bathroom with Simon Pegg and the uh, young man that uh, attacks him. But uh, did you enjoy the movie, Shane? Oh, I absolutely loved it. Um, it's just. It's amazing to see how much Edgar Wright has matured as a director and how much he's taken the things that still work in Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, but he's improved upon them. And it just, it, it's right up there with Scott Pilgrim in terms of technically how sound it is. Yeah, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of good craft there. Like, I mean, he's always got those wonderful shots where yeah. it zooms in on something and it's like the they're, when they're pouring the beer into the uh, from the tap and you hear that, <laughs> you know, it's just really, really cool stuff that's like an Edgar Wright-ism. I mean, um, he's almost like a cleaner version of Tarantino in that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I've become I've become quite a big fan. I mean, he's definitely four for four with me, and I, I greatly loved uh, the world's end by the time we got out of there. Um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a flawless film because I feel like the story, it does meander a little bit, um, by, by the end because it sticks so closely to this idea of we've got to finish this pub crawl before, (laughs) um, you know, before, you know, the aliens take over, blah, 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 you know, and, and I understand that there's definitely some thematic cohesion, Around the idea that you know they're trying to, Simon Pegg's character is attempting to subvert this idea of moving forward with his life. He wants to live his out his glory days, and his glory days are all he has. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there's a freaking alien invasion going on around him. <laughs> you think you might put everything else aside at some point, but that was probably my only qualm with the movie. Everything else was just was so enjoyable. I I I, I was able to look past it basically. Yeah, I agree, and I think out of the three movies in this trilogy, um, this is certainly the one that has the most focal characters, because, I mean, 
um, there are characters that are in their group in Shaun of the Dead, and then there were some characters at the police station and things like that in Hot Fuzz, but this is really one that had more than just Simon Pegg and Nick Frost that were getting focus and development, and that was something I really appreciated, because those other characters I felt were just as strong as theirs. Yeah, in some cases. I, I think Martin Freeman's character gets a little bit of short shrift, but necessarily yeah. so because of the plot. Right. And I don't think that um, the character... I mean, I don't know any of the characters' names, you'll have to forgive me. Um, <laughs> having just seen it a couple days ago, I haven't bothered to even look up any of this stuff. But uh, Rosamund Pike, she plays the uh, sister of Martin Freeman's uh, character. And like I feel like she's really underwritten, but I, I don't think women or female characters are really the focal point of these Edgar Wright movies generally. <laughs> True. Uh, other than Scott Pilgrim, it seems like uh, most of the women kind of get uh, get the shit in at the stick. But they definitely fail the Bechtel test, let's just say that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everybody else, there was a bit of a, a living, breathing environment around them. Like, you could feel the friendship a little bit more. Like, they felt a sense of history around each of these characters mm-hmm. as they clearly had aged. And though I, I will say, I think Eddie Marzon looks a lot older than the rest of the guys that he was, that he was uh, traveling with. I mean, Patty Considine and all these guys, they, they all look kind of the same age. But Eddie Marzon looked like he was about 10 years older than everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was nice that there was some there was some character building around more than just the main two guys at this point. And something I really liked, I love the theme of it. Not beyond the science fiction stuff, I love the theme about how can you really come home again, and does it really change your life at all to go back home and reexamine where you're at at your life right now? Because even though I'm not their age at all, nowhere close to their age it still feels weird to go back home and it almost feels like you don't belong anymore when you've been gone for so long. So I really liked that a movie explored that, but it did it in a way that was very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time he'd go to the bar and nobody recognized him, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were legends. I was well, the and then, well, that, And then the fact that, uh, all these bars had been, uh, it seemed like they'd been bought out by some chain or something. So they all looked the same on the outside, but on the, uh, Inside, they looked completely different, and they everything had changed. And so, even though things seem the same, they're still utterly different when you get close to them. Yeah, they, they all serve one beer on tap. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I thought that was going to come into play somehow, because they kept suggesting that same beer. And I was like, oh, this is something that has to do with the plot. But apparently that was just some unnecessary element. Um, what I really just appreciated this film, what really just made me love it, is when it gets into its last act, uh, when it kind of focuses more on the sci-fi stuff, that's when it becomes very Douglas Adams-like, and in a way it's almost very Kurt Vonnegut-like. There's a scene towards the end where they have a talk with the person who's in charge of everything, or the being who's in charge of everything, and that whole conversation just feels like something out of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And as somebody who loves those books, that that was just an amazing thing to have in that movie. And it just, it was just a really made it a fun experience. And I think it showed how similar Edgar Wright's humor is to Douglas Adams in a way. Yeah, absolutely. It it is actually kind of Dr. Who like in a way too. Like, I mean, the, the sort of British alien invasion stuff, there's a old Dr. Who, uh, serial called the Android invasion that plays with a lot of the same plot beats as, uh, in terms of like the, the the type of alien invasion that's occurring, 
mm-hmm. um, uh, with it throughout the plot of the world's end. So there, there's a lot of crossover there in terms of British iconography that all sort of I think play into Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's writing because they, as they co-authored this script. Um, I mean, I thought it was a, an unmitigated triumph. Uh, beyond my one little tiny qualm about the movie, yeah. which I thought was you know probably a necessary qualm, it was a creative way for them to get between all of those damn pubs, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Uh, and I, I feel like that's not something they didn't go through with. They focused so much on that's the whole reason they're back in their hometown. I feel like it would have been a disservice to not at least make it to the world's end sure. by the end of the movie. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I had a great time watching it. Um, it's kind of weird. Normally when I go see movies by myself, if it's a comedy or even if it's something that just has something funny, I don't laugh that loud because I guess it's just something about being by yourself. You you feel a little uncomfortable laughing when you're with a, in a room full of strangers. But when, when you're with at least one other person you know, you can kind of laugh a bit. But th- last night watching it, I was just laughing out loud about all kinds of stuff. And it almost got a little embarrassing because I was laughing at things that I guess nobody else was catching. Yeah. Like the whole conversation about the three musketeers and the Bible and fiction and all that just uh, almost killed me. And I lost it when Pierce Brosnan has his little cameo at the beginning and it seemed like nobody else caught that it was Pierce Brosnan playing the principal. Yeah, sure. Um, which it's something Edgar Wright's kind of known for in these movies because he had uh, Peter Jackson in the first film or no hot fuzz playing Santa Claus. Right. Right. Um, no, no Peter Jackson cameo this time, though. Um, no. They did have a nice uh, Bill Nye cameo. Yeah, B- Bill Nye's is very nice, and it's. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't spoiled for me because I think it's worth it's worth it not being spoiled. Oh yeah, for sure. It was it was it was uh, one of my favorite little treats of the film because I was hoping he wouldn't show up at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it I, it was definitely a nice cap off to the summer. All in all, I, I mean, I yeah. can't. You know, we, we've had a whole podcast here uh, talking to the Film Dispenser guys about just how tough this summer has been from a quality movie standpoint. And uh, The World's End basically is, no pun intended, the end of our summer viewing session. So I'm excited that we at least had one thing to close off with that was really, really darn good. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to watching this thing again as soon as it comes out on Blu-ray. I'm not going to go to the theater again to see it because... I, I might, but I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of busy. <laughs> I'm a lot busier now than I was this summer, so yeah, I, know. I might not be able to. But um, I, I will say it's a it's a very interesting bookend scenario because Iron Man 3 being the first movie of this summer and World's End being the last. Those are the two movies from this summer. Maybe Man of Steel I would include with this, but definitely Iron Man 3 and World's End are the two movies from this summer that I could see myself rewatching multiple times. Sure, sure. I, 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 the, the ending is, speaking of the end of the whole thing, since we're on that topic, uh, that that is one of the better turnabouts in a third act that I've seen in a movie in a while. Um, it was very unexpected, that end. Yeah. And uh, it, there was even a moment where I was kind of reminded of, like, Sam Raimi kind of stuff. That <laughs> um, uh, if anyone's ever seen... Uh, Army of Darkness. There's some, <laughs> there's some echoes of that there. I was a uh, yeah it was, that was that was a really like cool choice and I guess a fitting choice too considering somehow you know these films are supposed to be a trilogy based around the flavor of Cornetto that they're eating right whatever I mean it's more of a marketing gimmick than anything else but I bet there's probably some thematic ties you could find between Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz and um, and uh, 
World's uh, End. World's <laughs> End. And I, and I wonder if it has to do with like the malaise of your 20s trying to become a serious uh, you know, member of society in your 30s and then in your 40s attempting to reclaim the glory of youth. Maybe I've just cracked it. Does that sound about right, Shane? It works. Nice. <laughs> works <for me. laughs> there it is. I, I, have, I have figured out Edgar Wright's trilogy in about two minutes. So, <laughs> uh, World's just, End. I'll just say that I hope, uh, hope when we get this on Blu-ray that we're going to get some kind of set with the trilogy on Blu-ray because I don't own any of them at all. So I'd love to have all three of them in one set that looks really nice. Yeah, I've only got Sean on DVD, and I used to own Hot Fuzz on DVD, but I lost it uh, just due to moving and everything else. So uh, at some point, I will get them on Blu-ray. They do have a nice like double set of Sean and, and Hot Fuzz together. You can get it for like $10 at Best Buy right now. Hmm. Uh, both discs, I mean, with all the special features and everything. But it's also possible that they'll put out some sort of nice little Cornetto Trilogy box set at some point. Yeah. And I'm going to kind of hold out on that. As much as I would love to get The World's End the day it comes out, I, I want to hold off a little bit just to see if that'll come out. Yeah, with special features and like uh, documentary stuff all the way through. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty solid, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's not exactly the Three Colors trilogy or anything, <laughs> but it is uh, the closest thing we'll probably get to it for a little while. I'll, um, I'll just say, though, that um, with World's End and Scott Pilgrim uh, technically being so sound, and those were being his last two films, it really gets me pumped for Iron, uh, Iron Man, Ant-Man. Oh, yeah, no kidding. I was telling him um, that when we were leaving the theater, man. It's like it's like um, that. the biggest complaint we had about the Marvel movies, or at least the biggest complaint I have, is that they kind of lack a little bit of directorial personality. And uh, having a, a really visionary director like Edgar Wright uh, to give some, like, a real injection of life into maybe not the most interesting character in the world, really could be fascinating. I mean, if it looks anywhere near as crazy steampunk as uh, as that, that, that uh, test footage I saw made it look to be. Um, yeah, they need to improve that costume a little bit. But other than that... Uh, I don't know, I kind of dug it, um, man. I hope it looks <laughs> as rackety as it looks in that, in that thing. I mean, that... Uh, that whatever that thing is they showed at Comic Con a couple years right, ago, the test footage or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, make it look really ratchety and, and give it life, man. Don't make it streamlined <laughs> and and easy to chew on. And Edgar Wright, I mean, clearly is not that kind of filmmaker. So this this, this is exciting. It'll probably be his first yeah. hit because he hasn't had one ever. <laughs> no, not really. Um, there it was a pretty decently packed auditorium last night though, so. At least there was that. But yeah, he hasn't really made a movie that appeals to everyone yet. So yeah. I guess Ant-Man's going to be that first one. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead's the closest, and that's because of zombies. So um, yep. I, I, I expect Ant-Man will, will probably do about as... You know, man, I don't know. We'll see what kind of money Guardians makes first before we start talking about these outside <laughs> Avengers heroes. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very promising, we'll put it that way, and that is one of my most anticipated movies of 2015 by far. <laughs> um, so let's transition over to the other movie, and I have less to say about it, but I would like to, to touch on it a little bit. Um, for about two years now, I have heard about Your Next, which yep. is this low-budget horror film. Uh, another home invasion movie, but I understood it was you know supposed to be a very, fairly self-aware film. 
And it made a lot of raves on the festival circuit, and it met a lot of you know plaudits, you know, uh, playing at uh, some of the some of the bigger venues that it played at when it hit New York and L.A. And it finally came to Atlanta, and uh, I guess it also came hit wide release. I guess this week finally, after two years of trying to find distribution and uh, you know catching enough of a of a wave that it could catch. Usually, this kind of movie would just go direct on demand. But uh, kind of like the VHS series did, but this uh, this ended up in theaters, and uh, I, I will start by saying, you know, I did not love it. It was okay, but I think some of my problem with your next, which basically can be summed up as a family gets together for dinner in their uh, woodsy gigantic mansion, <laughs> and uh, they are systematically hunted. Uh, by people wearing animal masks. Um, so that's pretty much the plot <laughs> until yep. uh, there's further things to talk about once you see the movie. I you know I thought it was fine, but it was a tough it was a tough transition for me from going to see the world's end on Friday, which was an excellent, well crafted uh, piece of work versus going to see a much rougher around the edges movie like your next, where the acting is a little spottier. And the scripting well, has some sharp lines. It just doesn't move as well. The directing is not as strong. Like the camera work and the DP stuff isn't there. Um, I just I, I don't know, man. I couldn't get tuned into this movie at all. And it's no fault. Maybe it's just my my own mental capacity here. But I just I was bored the whole time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I was bored, but it definitely. Um, I guess I should say going into it, The Strangers, which is another home invasion horror movie, was one that I was terrified by, to be quite honest. Um, it seemed kind of similar to my house back home. It was uh, out in the woods, not as isolated as the one in The Strangers, but it was enough to where it was a similar scenario. And so it, The Strangers was a pretty terrifying experience for me on the first go-around, and then from there it's just become a movie that I love to come back to. Um, so this one I was a little bit anxious about it because I was unsure how it would affect me personally watching it, but I I gotta say I've never felt really scared at all watching it. Um, there were a few things that made me jump, but that was about it. But yeah, um, I wouldn't say I was bored. I guess I was at first a little upset because it seemed like it was very much so following the plot beats we've come to expect from a slasher, a slasher film. And um, and even more so a home invasion film. It just very much so is following these beats. And then it kind of makes this turn about halfway through, not even uh, just in its plot, but in thematically what it does. And there are some things I liked about it, and there's some, what it does, and then there's some things that it just... I don't know if I was willing to go as far as it wanted me to. Um, I guess I should flat out say it kind of becomes this movie that feels like it would have been more comfortable in the 80s, I guess. Um, it really becomes this 80s horror movie, and that's really not a place... I was somewhat comfortable getting, somewhat getting there, but I wasn't willing to go all the way like it was. And with the audience I was seeing it with, they were certainly not willing to go to that place because they... Every, I think I was the only person in the auditorium that actually liked it. Really? Uh, wow. Everybody else hated it. Wow. I mean, it, I mean, it's a funny movie. Uh, there's, a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of really good lines. Like, uh, there's a section where a guy gets shot in the back with an arrow... And they're trying to determine who's gonna like run out the door. And this yeah. guy's like, "I'm a really fast runner, but I have an arrow in my back." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, just just little bits and pieces like that where they're they're able to like 
they were where they attempt to play with the form a little bit, but at the same time, it's not performed so well, so a lot of it falls flatter for me. Um, right. I don't know. And yeah, the twists of the film, I, I don't know. I guess I just didn't care enough for that. Right, yeah, the one... Right, the one fil- the film's major twist is not a big deal, and it's something that I was honestly expecting because it plays so much. This family is made up so much of archetypes that I was honestly not surprised at all when right. anything happened, and it was almost like I was I would have been shocked if it didn't happen. Right, exactly. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I would have preferred if the film had played it a little more straight. Like I think the better home invasion movies do that. Uh, like I don't mind it being self aware, but I don't like some kind of silly you know, crappy twist that uh, just ends up making me kind of roll my eyes a little bit. But, right. um, like, like, The Strangers, which is probably, right. you know, it's not a great movie, but it's a, a good one, right? It's, it's enjoyable, yeah. I think. And it literally plays Home Invasion completely straight. Yes. Um, and, it, and I think the fact that the Home Invaders in that movie have no motivation is what makes that such a scary horror movies because they did it because they just felt like it they didn't do it because they had any kind of motivation to hurt these this specific group of people exactly exactly like i mean there, there's a giant plan in uh, your next which i don't know and, and and like i didn't even find like the 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 hunters or you know lamb mask and, and mm-hmm. wolf mask really all that fearsome uh no. it, and it, it's hard to get behind a horror movie where you know, there, there has to be a little bit of, 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 of fear going on. Yes. Um, where, compared to The Strangers or Funny Games, I, you know, there was, like, a sense of menace. I don't know if you ever saw Funny Games, but that's another no, home invasion movie that might actually be better than The Strangers, but plays a little more meta itself, but in a much, much different way. I know that uh, scares are sort of secondary in your next. I think it's trying to, like, say something about horror, but I just don't think the craft is there, not right. quite. You know. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're gonna say something about horror, you might not want to fall into the same tropes as horror. Right. Exactly. I mean, there, there again, there there was some good, there was some interesting stuff there. There was some. Uh, I, I liked the music they used throughout. Um, oh, that music was very corny. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they just kept using it over and over again, the same song. But uh, I, I liked the usage of it. And apparently some friends of Hannah's actually uh, recorded a cover of that song in the credits. So that's kind of huh. neat. Um, they have like six different versions of that same song playing throughout the movie. <laughs> um, I guess it was cheap music licensing. But um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, it, I'm not going to review this one. But no. if I gave it a grade, I get like a B minus, C plus kind of thing maybe. Um, yeah. What about you? Um yeah, I think I'd, I'd be about the same. Um, I think the strongest thing that this movie has going for it is that it is a horror movie with a strong female protagonist. Yes. And it's it's not a strong female protagonist that's one that's like, oh, all of her friends are dead, so of course she has to be the one that rises up. It's like, no, she takes charge from the get-go. Right. And that makes it a lot better, and it makes it a little less insulting, because normally horror movies, not to say that they're insulting, but it's just that some of them are, but... Uh, it's just that they kind of imply women don't become strong characters until a lot of bad stuff has happened to them. And this character, things have happened in her past, but she's so trained and prepared and everything that she's able to take charge when things start happening. And so that that is what I really appreciated most from this movie. But I would still 
even with that, there's there's enough that's working against it that I would give it about a B minus, probably C plus as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I could have like paid better attention throughout the movie, but it was just <laughs> it was just constantly a bore for me, and that and that's a shame because I, I'm sure there were people that were really excited about this thing, and the good reviews come from somewhere. I mean, this is a, a well regarded right. film, but. It just didn't register with me. Um, I'm sad to say. This is one of the first times, even even like the worst movies I see in the theater, I, I feel like I can get somewhat engaged in. Mm-hmm. This one just completely repelled me for some reason. Mm. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, all told, it was definitely one of the uh, one of the. It wasn't one of the bigger disappointments of the year for me, but it definitely was sort of like a. I don't see what all the hype was about, honestly. That's yeah. That's exactly yeah. I called my brother right after the movie, and I was like. I was like, so I didn't hate it, but why would why did everybody love this movie? Right, that's that's fair. That's completely fair. Uh, did 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 your brother love it? Um, yeah, he liked it. I think it was just. I think it just has to be. It depends on what your own personal taste is in horror. And there's a very large community in the horror fan community that loves '80s horror, and this is very much so a love letter to that in sure. a way. And so I think if that's what you enjoy, you're really going to get a kick out of this movie. Yeah, I think like the horror community, and I was telling uh, some friends of mine this the other night. Uh, they, they, there must be like a different scale for what you look for in a movie like this if you're a big horror fan. Like right. I, I have like no enjoyment for this kind of horror, really. Um, like I think the last horror movie I really liked, like really, really liked, was maybe The Ring. But I haven't huh. seen. Yeah, I mean, there's not many horror movies I've seen. I mean, I guess like we, if we count like uh, Cabin in the Woods or Drag Me to Hell or something. Cabin in the Woods, Drag. Yes, Drag Me to Hell counts. Um, I mean, yeah, sure. It's almost like horror comedy, though. It's like a different sort of thing. Not as much. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is horror comedy, but I don't think Drag Me to Hell. There's comedic elements, but I think it's very much so. Uh, horror movie sure but um, but it's like i know guys that like worship horror movies like right. and, I do too. And, and and i'm i'm pretty close to that community i wouldn't say i'm thoroughly involved with that community but i'm i'm on the edges of it i guess i'd say yeah you go to like the conventions and stuff don't you i've been to one <laughs> okay yeah i mean i've never been to any of those but i know some people that go to those conventions and i mean it's all good you like whatever you like but man i just every time i go to a horror movie even if it's one that's like got great reviews I always come out of it thinking I just did, I couldn't get into it. It didn't work mm-hmm. for me. Like I think the last like horror movie that had like an eerie atmosphere that slightly triggered something in me was uh, the the first Paranormal Activity. I was about to say Paranormal Activity is probably the last one for me. Um, Paranormal Activity did The Strangers got a reaction out of me. Drag Me to Hell got a very big reaction out of me, and. Uh, one, it didn't get a reaction out of me, but a horror movie I just loved that people will probably judge me for, but oh well. Um, I loved Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Mm, I never I saw it, too. I saw uh, one. but His his first Halloween is decent, but it's, it is very much so a remake of John Carpenter's Halloween, which is a shame because John Carpenter's Halloween is probably the best horror movie ever made. Yeah, sure. And um, But his Halloween 2 is just fantastic. Yeah. But it's also a very divisive movie. <laughs> All right, well, that's good to know. I mean, if I ever see it on TV, I'll try to watch it then. I, I did not like Halloween 1 at all. Um, <laughs> like, I, I really... like, and I, and, I, and, I, and I didn't dislike, say, like, Devil's Rejects or something, mm-hmm. but I I don't know, man. It, ever since, it seems like Rob Zombie's kind of making some iffy horror movies. I didn't see Lords of Salem, or was it Lords of Salem? Lords of Salem, mm-hmm. Was that Was that good? 
Um, Spencer said it was good, but I haven't seen it. All right, I, I, that that'll be one that I might try to check out. But I, I, I mean, I, since you're, I know your brother writes for like Shock Till You Drop, so like I'm sure he's yeah, and guy. he's a he, he's a huge horror fan. Even he's way more into the horror community than I am. So. Yeah, I mean, and my my friend Ron, you know, he's he's a big horror guy too. So it's sort of like you know, I want to like movies like The Conjuring. I want to like movies like uh, Insidious, but I just can't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, they, I just don't think they're very good and. I'm I'm waiting for like the next great horror movie that's gonna you know scare the shit out of me and make <laughs> me think, man, I can't wait to see that again. That was so fun, but I'm also kind of scared. I'm looking over my shoulder, you know. Right. Um. It it just hasn't happened in a long time, and I would love for somebody to uh, create that. I keep saying it, and nobody's ever listening to me. I think it's time <laughs> for another scary clown movie. But uh, <laughs> you know, look, that, that's what I'm saying. You had you react that way too. <laughs> um, I mean, it's high time we. Well, they've been it. talking about remaking it for forever now. So. Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm ready for somebody to jump on there with some real chops. And uh, Lord, I'd rather have a, an it remake than another Carrie remake. Sure. Good Lord. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Carrie's going to be a disaster, by the way. Well, it has the advantage of being the only horror movie coming out this October, so it's going to be really? huge. Nothing yeah, else Paran- is coming out? Paranormal Activity 5 got delayed, so... Wow! It will be the big Halloween hit, then. Holy crap. Yep. I mean, even though the trailer gives away everything... Well, and they, yeah, that's the only negative, is it kind of assumes everybody knows the story, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yeah, <laughs> like, if everybody knows the story, why remake it? Right. I know a lot of people have never seen the original Carrie, and I, I don't understand why they would show that whole trailer. It's like, you know the story, so come see it again in a new light. <laughs> it's like, well, why would you even go see it then? I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> It's an interesting marketing for a remake, for a horror remake. I think it's the first time that's ever been done. It's pretty inept, but I, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, it's going to work for them, though. Maybe. Well, the marketing won't be what's worked. It'll be they. They have got to be just doing backflips when Paranormal Activity five said they were going to not come out in October. Absolutely. Well, Carrie was delayed for quite some time too. Like they, uh, it was delayed. Right. I think like, it was supposed to be a March movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's that's a bad sign too. If that was going to be a March movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that, now now I'm really dreading this thing. But um, well. I don't know. We keep fingers crossed. I'll keep hoping for my scary clown movie until then. One thing we'll say about your next, and then we yeah. can move on. Is or I'll say about it is, at least it's a horror movie that's not a remake. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. That's that. That is the one advantage it has over Carrie. Uh, oh, by the way, I didn't even ask. What would you grade uh, The World's End, Shane? Uh, a plus. Nice. Easily. It's like it's like the Godfather of of comedy alien <laughs> movies, huh? But the Godfather of what? <laughs> of, co- of like comedy alien body invasion movies. Is there are there any others in that category? <laughs> I don't know. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I have no idea. It's a comedy. Uh, no, it's not. I I don't know. Um, but uh, no, that's well, cool. I guess so. Yeah, it's the it's the Godfather of its only it being the only movie in that genre. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I'll my review is gonna come out tonight. But yeah, it's I'm gonna give it a name myself. So, um, well, cool. That's uh, it, it was it was a decent enough weekend. Definitely worth talking about. But. Uh, there's much bigger things on the horizon, and I know everybody wants to hear us talk about these things. So, Shane, why don't you roll us into some news, my friend? Yeah. All right, so um, let's start on the comic book side of things. Uh, DC is just 
I guess they really, as much hype as they've given, they were giving Trinity War going in. Now that Trinity War's been going on, they don't seem to care if we find out what happens in Trinity War before it's over. Um, and so part of that comes with the, uh, I don't think it was a solicit, it was just an announcement, that there will be uh, a rebranding, um, Justice League of America, during sometime after Forever Evil or during Forever Evil, um, it's probably not going to be till December or January, I believe, because I know we have the November solicits and it's still called Justice League of America then. But Justice League of America will be rebranded, ho- but hopefully not renumbered as uh, Justice League Canada. Um, <laughs> and yeah, as you can tell from Kyle's reaction, it's a little bit of a ridiculous name. Well, I mean, um, I don't want to say that to our Canadian friends because it's not really that ridiculous. It's just so funny that it's like um, when, people, when you think of Canadian superheroes, I'm thinking of um, I can't even think of his name, but uh, the guy from Alpha Flight with just the big old maple leaf on his costume. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't remember what that character's name is. I know he's like the leader of Alpha Flight, but somebody's screaming. Right. At, I don't, I don't know who the hell he is, but uh, surely it's not Captain Canada. But no, no, surely no, that's no, not it. No, North Star used to be on Alpha Flight. North Star used to be on there. Puck used to be on there. A bunch, and there was some Sasquatch thing that used to be on Alpha yeah, Flight. Yeah, was it Wendigo? But he was like an orange thing. Right. Um, and now, now I have to know. I'm gonna look. As up. far as as far as I know, this is DC's first um, Canadian team. Yeah. Um, and it is going to be at least it's it's got a good writer on it. Um, Matt Kent's going to be writing Justice League of America while Guardian. it's still Justice League of America. Guardian, by the way, that's his name. Guardian. Yeah. I, I would have never gotten that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's him. But anyway, uh, Matt Kent's going to be writing Justice League of America until it rebrands uh, after Trinity War, and uh, Jeff Lemire is going to be writing Justice League Canada, which it, it'll be fine with him writing it. Um, all they're saying about it is that it's going to take place in Canada. It's going to be a com- not a completely different team, but the team will be different from what we have in Justice League of America. And the only reason that they're giving for this is that there may not be a United States during after Trinity War and during Forever Evil. All right. Um, that's all they'll say. And um, I'm kind of well, – I, I wouldn't say excited. I'm interested. They've definitely piqued my interest, but I'm a little bit upset just because even though there have been some pretty crappy issues, I love the idea of Justice League of America, and I love the team on Justice League of America. So I'm a little upset to see that it's kind of already going away. Well, I, I can understand that. I mean, it's it it, it it literally it seemed like Justice League of America was just a title that existed to sort or of Trinity serve War. Trinity War. <laughs> I mean, there really it did nothing but set up pieces for Trinity War that Jeff Johns couldn't quite put into place in Justice League. Right. And I can't help but feel like Trinity War was a little directionless in how it was set up. Like I feel like there was one plan, and then there was like a whole other plan that was put into place. Right. Later. It's, yeah. It's uh, there are some things, particularly with something that came to light this week in Trinity War, and will be part of its conclusion that seemed like it might be an idea Jeff Johns had. Before the new Fifty Two started, and he's just now getting to use it. Yeah, I, I don't know. We can talk about that maybe. Weapons concluded. <laughs> it's so hard to just sit and talk about the uselessness of that Trinity of Sin stuff until uh, it's finally done. And so I don't want to pass too much judgment, but it seems like it's a little bit of a waste. Um, on the other hand, Jeff Lemire writing a book yep. on his own without uh, Ray Fox being attached to it sounds pretty damn awesome to me. Yeah. Um, I mean. That basically, Justice League of America was that Justice League International title. They changed it to Justice League of America, and now they're changing it to Justice League Canada. Um, <laughs> I have a hard time believing they're not going to renumber 
because Ugh, number one, that's what I'm worried about too. They love number ones, man. All both companies do, and only at least if it if it didn't renumber, at least I could just put Justice League Canada's first issue right after Justice League of America in my box. But if it's number one, I gotta move it now. Yeah, how do how do you do that? By the way, do you do you just put Justice League then Justice League of America? Uh, yeah, and so I guess it would have gone after anyway, since alphabetically, so it would have been J- Justice League JLA and then now JLC. Right. Um, but it's still just frustrating sure. <laughs> it, if it renumbers. Sure. I mean, that's what caused. I mean, that that's an easy thing to get people to quit books. That's what caused me to quit Avengers was because it renumbered. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. It's it's I, I don't I don't particularly care for having a new number one, but I can also understand this idea of like people will buy number ones because they think yep. it's a jump on point, and that might be in current DC hierarchy, the idea of a new number one might be too hard to resist. Um, on the other hand, I don't know. I've heard that a couple of members of the team are going to include, like, just rumored, was it Adam Strange is going to be on the yeah, team? Yeah, he's going to be Canadian now, apparently, because it's in Canada. But, yeah, he's. I know he's on it, and then there's going to be some new guy that they haven't named. Is it, isn't Booster Gold going to be on the team, too? Isn't that? I haven't heard about that. Yeah, I, He might I, be. I don't know. There was a rumor about that. That could be wrong, though. Um, Adam Strange, I know, was pretty much confirmed. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. I love Adam Strange. He's one of my favorite characters. But... Um, I, I I'm gonna check it out. Jeff Lemire's a Canadian, and his best stuff. I'm I'm not even kidding you, man. The best stuff Jeff Lemire has ever written is all based in Canada, like <laughs> like Essex County and some of the more interesting parts of Underwater Welder. And um, I, I'm not and I, a Trillium it doesn't probably really count, but because uh, there's nearly nothing Canadian based about that yet, but. Uh, those early works of his in the indie side of things are really cool, and Sweet Tooth even has a bit of a Canadian mm-hmm. flair to it. It does. Um, so I'm I'm kind of into this, man. <laughs> if this could be like the the, the uh, their, their version of Alan Moore Excalibur, or excuse me, Alan Grant Excalibur, or John Byrne Alpha Flight. I mean, where Maybe. the guys are from the countries in which they're trying to represent. I mean, well, it seems like it seems like it's becoming a trend to bring back these characters because hasn't there been talk at Marvel about bringing back uh, maybe not Excalibur but at least Alpha Flight or hasn't there been rumors about that yeah so, probably I mean there's there there has to be a market there that that people yeah. get excited about I mean if there's stories to tell I mean cool if there's no if there's nothing worth telling then I'm not that interested but um, this idea that the U.S. may not exist is a nice start <laughs> yeah as long as it goes into more than just the Justice League titles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that I mean, it I don't know. Um it, I, I'm okay. I'm of two minds of that actually, Shane, now that I think about it. It's like I'm I, I am I like sometimes like to see wide 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 ranging ramifications in my crossover stories. And then sometimes I think to myself, you know what? I like this stuff to just be self contained. And then I can deal. I can just read Wonder Woman without having to think about how there's no U.S. True. Um, how I can read Batman and Gotham City is not affected by this kind of stuff. And I mean, it, it wouldn't be anyway because of Zero Year. But um, I don't know. I, I, having it just happening in the Justice League books and in this Forever Evil thing, which is still the worst title in the world, by the <laughs> way. Um, I don't know. I, I like that. Uh, it, then when I think about it, it just it just it makes it simpler for me, and I don't yeah. and it doesn't ruin my collections of other things if sure. it's not a good story. But um, I don't know. I'm excited if, if if there's like some real some really big changes coming um, in the DCU. Well, bring it on, man! I, I want to see uh, the crime syndicate take over America. <laughs> 
All right. So um, another thing with DC and Forever Evil is DC is well, what issue was it last time that they said was going to break the internet? Was it Justice the first chapter of Trinity War, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. with Superman killing Doctor Light. Yes. They said it was going to uh, break the internet. Um, yes. And it did not. No, they barely, <laughs> um, barely made a whimper. So now they're saying something else is going to break the internet. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, Forever Evil number one, we know, has something to do with Nightwing. I'm sure you've noticed in all your DC books that it keeps teasing Nightwing's image covered in blood uh, for Forever Evil. Um, It implies death, but, I mean, he has his own book, so there's no way he's going to die. But um, what the rumor is, so spoiler alert, just in case this is true, is that whoever the Wonder Woman is of Earth 3 will... Uh, well, Superwoman will use her lasso of truth on Nightwing in the first issue of Forever Evil, and Nightwing will give away his identity as Dick Grayson, kind of like how uh, Spider-Man revealed he was Peter Parker during Civil War, which they said if it happens wouldn't have a kind of Mephisto thing like with Spider-Man where we could erase that because we weren't ready to deal with those consequences yet over at Marvel. But um, if it happens... It won't affect me too much in whatever else I read. It'll be an interesting read. I mean, it'll be fine, I'm sure, in the issue itself. What makes it interesting for me is that if it's revealed to the world that Dick Grayson is Nightwing, then that means it won't take too long for somebody to eventually connect that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Right. Which could have huge ramifications in the DC Universe. Yeah, there's there's something going on with Batman too. Um, I know they're showing a lot of these Nightwing things. There's it, the, that rumor of oh, is Nightwing going to die? I mean, he's always been in Dan DiDio's crosshairs, it seems. But <laughs> um, if you look at that promotional art for Forever Evil issue one, you have all the villains, and then you have Batman with them. So it's almost like Batman sort of uh, teaming up with like the the the. the, the the, the, the supposition is that Batman is teaming up with Lex Luthor and Sinestro and all these guys to maybe take on the crime syndicate of America. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm we'll ju- find out in about two weeks. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm jumping to conclusions. But <laughs> I, I, you know, so I, it makes me think like maybe they're trying to target Nightwing to make that, you know, to, to shake things up on Batman's side of things because he's a thorn in their side, perhaps. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, we won't know until two weeks from now when the first issue comes out. But um, I mean, sure, why not? I mean, something something interesting happening with Dick Grayson. It's pff, there's nothing <laughs> going on in his own title that's of interest. Sorry, Kyle, but uh, <laughs> the uh, but uh, you know, otherwise, I, I, I I'm interested to see what happens. I guess I don't know. I, is it supposed to happen in the first issue of Forever Evil? Uh, I believe so, yes. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. Uh, we'll find out in two weeks, then, because uh, Villains Month is almost upon us, and my wallet is already shaking in fear. <laughs> because I had to I had to order, I had to, or not order, but I had to tell my comic shop what Villains Month issues I would be getting, and uh, I, I'm getting eight that first week of Villains Month. Wow. So. I'm, I don't even know what how much I'm getting. I don't think I'm getting that much. Um... Because it, it, it's not that much as a whole. What I'm getting, it's just that so much of it comes out that first week. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, the uh, I, I'm not actually sure how much I'm getting. Honestly, it's like I, I remember I added in a few things just based around who was writing it, but mm-hmm. otherwise, like my interest in uh, the Villains Month stuff is literally just based upon you know the the coming 
any incoming storylines that I'm already reading and uh, based right. on the books I'm already reading. There wasn't much extra, except in the Superman area where I was picking up a couple books, extra books by Greg Pak, Charles Soule, and a couple of these of these other guys that are just jumping on. Shally Fish is writing one, but I don't I don't even know what's coming out next next week. So <laughs> um, or in September. So it's sort of like oh here we go now I got the list. I was like waiting for this stupid thing to open. Um, <laughs> like I'm gonna get the Cyborg ones. So I'm getting that one. I'm getting like I don't know at least. I'm getting at There's least three. Yeah, I see myself <laughs> finding four or five. I mean, and that's fine. Are you getting the lenticular covers though? Um, I'm getting whatever they put in my box. All right. So, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, there um, you go. I guess I'll see how they look. If I don't like how they look, I'll just ask for the 2D ones. Sure. But, um. Anyway. All right. So, uh, one thing that got announced with uh, Arkham Origins, and there seems to be reveals almost every single week now with that game, um, which is fine by me because the game looks pretty awesome. Um. They announced a new villain, who I assume is going to be one of the people hunting down Batman in this game. And it is uh, a very, very unknown Batman villain, which seems to be kind of a trend with this game. Uh, having anarchy and... Uh, uh, who's that girl? I can't remember what her name is Top now. Copperhead. Copperhead. And so uh, Firefly has been announced as a villain that's going to be in that game. Did you see the trailer that revealed I did, Firefly? I did, yeah. What did you think? I liked it. I liked it. Um, I mean, I've liked every piece of promotional material that's come out of that game so far, so... Um, yeah, it looked looked cool. Um, I, I finally like read a little bit more about that game too, as far as like why they picked some of the people they picked. And I mean, being a five years before, I guess <laughs> Arkham Asylum type game, they, this is very early Batman, not prime Batman that you see in Arkham Asylum. So it's like they they Black Mask is supposed to represent the bridge between the gangsters that he was fighting in his first year <laughs> and the uh, super freak criminals that are starting to appear. And Black Mask is like the uh, the first of those guys, and he's sort of bringing everyone else in. And I thought that was kind of cool um, as a villain that doesn't get much highlight, speaking of unknown villains. So <laughs> it's kind of cool that Firefly and Copperhead and all these people sort of um, birthed out of him. Um, I liked it, man. I'm excited. Yeah. They even explained like why his suit is so much like bigger and bulkier looking than the sleeker stuff we've seen in the previous games, and it's because it's not all one piece. You know, it's it's literally like mm -hmm. it's all pieced together of different things because it's early Batman. Um, I dig it. I, I can't I can't yeah. wait to uh, to play it. Yeah, I'll say watching that video, Firefly looks much like Copperhead in that I think it's going to be in a very annoying boss fight. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, there's a lot more going on in that game than I realized, though, when I watched some of the gameplay videos. Like, like there's a, a number of new options you can do while perched yeah. on top of gargoyles and stuff, targeting-type things that I, I don't think I've ever done in any of those games before. So, um, should be should be fun. Alright, so, um, on the Marvel side of things a little bit, um, and this is not confirmed yet, but a lot of people are going ahead and reporting it, is that it looks like we might have our Rocket Raccoon. And I'm very upset that if it's true, it does not look like it's somebody who's British. And the rumor being that uh, Bradley Cooper is up for the role of Rocket Raccoon. And um, if he does it, um, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, I'll just be upset that it's not a Brit, but... I'm really not sure what to think of that news. I mean, Bradley Cooper's a fine actor, but I, I, 
I don't know if I can picture him just completely embodying the ridiculousness that you have to have with this role. Yeah, uh, I had, it's it's funny. Most people don't realize that Rocket Raccoon probably should have a British accent. Um, yeah, being ba- having since his name is based off a Beatles song, but. Uh, yeah, I you know they, they they seem to keep wanting to go for a movie star playing this role for some reason. I mean, the rumor was originally they were chasing down like Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey to play it, and now you know they're going after Bradley Cooper, which is a much better choice than right. either of those two. But um, I'm I still you know it just seems so uninspired. It just it's just kind of boring. I don't know. Um, you know, picking it's like picking Vin Diesel for Groot. I mean, it's like why? <laughs> why? Why don't you pick? You can pick anybody. I mean, no one would care who the hell who's playing Groot. You know, right? Um, it's so it's just it's just kind of reeks of a little bit of of uh, pardon my language, but star fucking. <laughs> um, I mean, that literally that's kind of what it seems like they're going for, and uh, I don't know. It just seems like a poor direction for Marvel for a film that you know, having seen some of that. Uh, some of that promotional material that leaked online, um, I, it was actually a lot more exciting than oh, I was yeah. expecting. Um, yeah, that 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 trailer, that thirty seconds was amazing. <laughs> it was, that was cool. I was like, oh wow, maybe I, there's a chance I might like this movie. Who knows? Uh, oh, he said it. He said it. <laughs> who, who knows? It's possible, but I mean, I also get really like leery when I see them going after some stuff like this. So, we'll I'll see. I'll say that, that trailer that leaked, or the 30 seconds from that trailer that leaked, that's the best use of Hooked on a Feeling ever. Oh, totally. Sure, sure. I don't, I don't know, though. The dancing baby is still way up there. But, uh, <laughs> you, remember, you remember that from Allie McPeel? Uh, uh, vaguely. <laughs> okay, sorry. That, that, that's really me showing You're, you're kind of dating yourself a little oh, bit there. <laughs> fuck. All right. Yeah, move on. <laughs> um... Well, I don't think there was any other big news this week. I can't think of anything that made made the internet just completely upset this week. Um, It was a pretty quiet week, particularly uh, (laughs) particularly Thursday night. It was pretty quiet. I know. I I, I went and saw a nice documentary on Thursday (laughs) night, and I totally wasn't surprised by news at all when I went to the bathroom in the middle of the movie. Um, Yeah, and... uh, my, my brother was at a screening of The World's End, and he came out and just went home after. There was nothing to react to after that movie. Uh, I, I know it. I know it. Uh, all right, well, <laughs> let's stop fucking around. I, I guess I guess we should address um, this big news. Um, so it, it was announced. Uh, it was surprising to pretty much everyone uh, whatever news sources try to say that they saw this coming are liars, um, because this was something we discussed, and as I warned when we discussed this last time, none of the names we discussed probably would show up, um, and that's what happened. So uh, Batman has been cast in Batman Superman, as I'm sure as everybody already knows that it's Ben Affleck who's going to be playing Batman. Um so you said you read it in the bathroom at a movie. So how did you react seeing that? I hope you didn't drop your phone in the toilet or anything. No, no, no. I was at the urinal, thank God. Um, and you know, it was the only. I, I was I was seeing this movie, The Act of Killing, that uh, was actually you know not 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 too bad. It's a very interesting documentary. But um, when I I pulled up my phone, got on Twitter, and my uh, a friend of mine, uh, Malette. Uh, I don't know if you ever see her uh, Ethiopian Siren on Twitter. She um, sent me a tweet, and she was like, "She was like Batman," and it was like with a picture of like this <laughs> this other tweet from uh, I, I don't even know like 
uh, USA Today or somebody like that. Uh, maybe it was Hollywood Reporter. I'm not sure. And I look at it and I'm like, holy crap. All right. <laughs> I guess we uh, have you, were, you were saying this with Hannah, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did no. you go in there and whisper it to her when you no, got back? Or did no, you no. wait on wait no. until it was over? Because <laughs> this was a deadly serious documentary we were uh. seeing. And um, when we got out, that's when I was like, okay. So let's talk about this documentary for a minute, and then after we get done talking about the documentary, I, I said, all right, let's play a game. Um, they've cast Batman, and I want you guys to guess who it is, and I'll give you one hint. It is a white actor in his 40s who has won a couple of Academy Awards, uh, and maybe not necessarily for acting. And Hannah got it within, like, uh, a guess. <laughs> And I was like, well, you, you were pretty specific there with that hint. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was just giving it a shot, um, but I, I don't know. I wasn't. I was surprised, but you know, I wasn't turned off like everybody else was. No. I mean, I, I, the 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 vitriolic reaction really, uh, really shocked me more. Yeah. And, well, uh, I I wouldn't say shocked. I guess it's just more. I, I'm very disappointed. Uh, I, I thought that as a community that maybe, just maybe, we were more mature than this, but apparently we're not. Um, I'm kind of like you. My first reaction was I read it, and I was like, oh, well, that's different. That was my first thing. I was like, well, that's surprising. And when I first had to get over the fact that I was like, no, there's no way that's true. Um, because that's, anytime big movie news like that breaks, I, I kind of go through about a five-minute spell where I have to make sure that it's actually true. Um but after it settled in, I kind of realized I'm very okay with this, and I'm actually almost fully supportive of it. Um, I think anybody who brings up Daredevil in an argument against why this guy can't, why this man cannot play this role, I, I honestly I have to put into question whether or not they've seen anything he's done since Daredevil. Exactly. I have a lot of friends who have done that very thing, and that's disappointing. I mean, on a number of levels, because one Daredevil was like a decade ago. It was exactly a decade ago. And he's a completely different actor now. Uh, he's completely reinvented his career. And, I I mean, they, once you get into that point that you're a director and a writer and you get into the creative process, I mean, he, he wrote, obviously, uh, Good Will Hunting, but he never got behind the camera up until he started working on movies like Gone Baby Gone and The Town and Argo. I mean, this guy's won an Oscar for Best Picture yeah. as a producer. I mean, he unfortunately wasn't nominated. And people director, were, but. yeah, people were crying for him to be nominated for Best Director. Right. So. I, I mean, it's. I mean, this guy's reinventing his career to the point where he's like the next Robert Redford, um, where he's the next Clint Eastwood, and yeah. uh, I, I just wow, just the just the venom that came out from people yeah. online. Well, I mean, somebody made a petition, and then somebody took that petition and posted it to the White House's website, because I guess Obama has nothing better to worry about than who's playing Batman. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> With all the injustices in the world, and they create a petition about uh, you know, Ben Affleck playing Batman. Well, I, I don't know. It, it, let's, let's first talk about how this deal happened, and then let's talk about how we think he'll do in the role. Because okay. I know we're, we're both okay with it. Okay. Um, so the deal happened, I mean, unbeknownst to us, this had been going, this is a deal that's been going on since the beginning of the year. Yeah. So even before Man of Steel came out, yeah. they knew they were going to make a sequel and they knew that the sequel would have Batman in it. Right. Which I recall reading at the beginning of the year that Man of Steel's sequel was already kind of sort of being written to an extent. So... That's not too surprising, but it is surprising that they already knew their actor, 
And Warner Brothers just really did. Warner Brothers distribute Argo. Is that what it is? Is that why they want to hold on to him? Yeah, they Argo uh, in okay. town. All right. So uh, Warner Brothers really wants to hold on to Ben Affleck, and we know he's been he's had connections, loose connections to the DC side of things at Warner Brothers, and that he was rumored with Justice League for a long time to be the director. And so they probably talked to him after that. Like I'm sure those talks actually happened, and then once those devolved, they probably went back to him when they said, "Hey, we want you to play Batman." And the rumor is that he's very heavily involved. He was very heavily involved with discussing this character, and he didn't fully agree to it until he kind of had an idea of how everything was going to go. So it seems like he's going to actually have at least some input to at least how his character is written in this movie, which will be great because David Goyer really needs a co-writer. <laughs> um, so at least Batman stuff will be well written, um, but it's just um, it's something that's been set up for a long time, um, and you can create a million petitions, and I don't care how many thousands of or hundreds of thousands of signatures you get, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna stop it. It's not gonna be a, a Shailene Woodley thing from Spider Man. You're you're not gonna stop this happening. We are gonna see him play Batman in 2015. Oh, for sure. And possibly Justice League, and then very possibly his own series of Batman movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I honestly think if he has a good enough time playing Batman and having going through this whole process of being on Batman Superman, I I will not be shocked if he changes his mind about directing Justice League. Yeah, uh, it, it's hard to say. Like, okay, like we can we can understand why Warner Brothers was looking to cast Ben Affleck. I mean, I think that's very yeah. obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was interesting to me that he was their very first choice, and they got their first choice according to Hollywood Reporter. Like, he's been the guy they've been chasing after for months, and guys like Ryan Gosling and Josh Brolin were backup choices. Well, apparently, reportedly, when they went to Ryan Gosling, he said he didn't like the idea of sequels. I mean, Ryan Gosling doesn't like the idea of superhero movies. I mean, he's no. been he's been quoted as saying he's been approached for superhero movies, and that Drive is the closest thing to a superhero movie you're ever going to see him do, probably. Yep. But on the other hand, um, so I mean, there's a lot you could you could you you could say that okay, I understand why Warner Brothers went after Ben Affleck. I mean, they wanted a, a megawatt star attached to Batman, to which attaches to Superman, to hedge their bets so they can they can attempt to, if not defeat Avengers 2 at the box office, at least have a healthy, healthy run that was healthier than Man of Steel, which made, you know, almost 700, you know, million worldwide, but still fell a little short of their ridiculously mammoth expectations. Um, now they hopefully have some, some, you know, chemicals here that can make them a billion dollars, right? Yep. So they get, I get this. They, there's only a few guaranteed draw superstars anymore, particularly when you look at movies like The Lone Ranger that make no money, um, or a movie like Pacific Rim that failed and probably would have done a lot better with a big movie star in front of it. Investors yep. want to hedge their bets. So a guy yep. like Ben Affleck seems to be a sure bet. Um, but the question is, why would Ben Affleck do it? And that was the thing that I was I was wondering about mm-hmm. in my uh, you know in our, my musings about this amongst friends and everything. Uh, why would Ben Affleck, who seemed to be really drilling down his career into very specific niche prestige stuff, why would he you know go really big and go really tentpole? And there's a couple of lines of thinking around this. I mean, it's really fascinating. Neither good nor bad. It's just. Maybe Ben Affleck is trying to, you know, re-up his, you know, matinee uh, 
box office draw bona fides. Maybe he's trying Absolutely. to maybe yeah. he's trying to be as big as Brad Pitt, and he wants to flex his muscles there. And where where else would you do it with? But with <clears throat> but with Batman. Yeah. And so there's there's that possibility. There's the possibility that he's also really just a big fan of this stuff. He is a comics mm-hmm. guy. He is. He's very much so. <clears throat> so. Um, I mean, otherwise, it's kind of hard to really nail down what it is that that, that came together for this. Other I, than I don't think there's control. any one particular thing. I think it's probably a mix of what you're saying, and there's probably stuff we don't even know about that's going into this decision. <laughs> Lots of money, I can yeah. tell you that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think that's just icing on the cake. For me, if I was offered, if I was somebody who was in his type of position, I think money would just be icing on the cake to get to play Batman in a movie. Who doesn't want to play Batman? I know. What actor (laughs) would not want that, other than Ryan Gosling, apparently? Right. Um, (laughs) Unless it's a new Batman movie, because apparently he doesn't want to be in a sequel. Right, right. I mean, this uh, this is going to be a fascinating thing. And from a business side, I'm looking forward to what they announce if he's going to be a writer-director on a future Batman film. Um, because we've never had a right director star, right? But we, I mean, we've never had a superhero film where the star also directed the film, right? That would be really unique and really yeah. interesting because he's a very good director. Um, I don't, I haven't loved all of his movies, but I do respect them. So I would really look forward to uh, you know his his take on this character if they start going that far into it. I, I think. He will probably, well, will at least get rid of that Christian Pale Batman voice for one thing. What's wrong with the Batman <laughs> voice? <laughs> like I don't know what his Batman will sound like. I have no idea if he's going to try and do something deeper or what yeah. most actors do try to do when they play Batman. They do something that's a little bit deeper, except for George Clooney. That was just George Clooney all the time. <laughs> he was just George Clooney um, in the suit. <laughs> um, but uh, and like Michael Keaton tried to deepen it a little bit and stuff like that. Val Kilmer did too. Val Kilmer did um, his his harsh whispering. <laughs> right. Yeah. He did a whisper, and then we all know what Christian Bale did. So he'll change his voice up a little bit. Um, but I think he'll be a great. I know he'll be great as Bruce Wayne. Um, and so I know he has the acting chops to be Bruce Wayne and to be Batman. It's just going to be interesting to see what his approach is to the character, and. I, I gotta say, um, I, I I think people comparing this to the casting of Heath Ledger as the Joker are a little off. I think that's a little skewed. But I, I will say, have we ever had anybody be cast as Batman and it not get met with people being just livid over it? Well, um, Christian Bale, people weren't livid over. I mean, because they weren't. But it, surely somebody brought up Reign of Fire when he got cast in Batman Begins. I, I guess. Maybe I think more people were concerned that he was British. I mean, that or was the first somebody time. brought up Newsies. Maybe I don't know. But, I, I, <laughs> Christian Bale didn't have quite the embarrassing career that some of these other guys have had. I mean, right. Michael Keaton definitely had some very yeah. harsh reactions to his casting. Um, granted, that that was before the age of the internet, really. So it, it was just a completely different uh, way of spreading information. I mean, the, the day that Ben Affleck is cast as Batman officially, I mean, I, it was all over my Facebook feed. People that I had no idea had any interest in Batman. Yeah, um, that's the thing I was going to say, too, is um, I listen to the radio in the mornings when I'm driving to school, and they do this like little gossip thing where they'll just talk about normal celebrity gossip. They normally talk about like movie or, or music and things like that, and sometimes TV, and uh, I heard the tease for it. I didn't get to hear it because I was almost at the school when they teased the segment, but they were like, 
uh, in today's whatever it was called, it's like we're we're going to talk about who the new Batman is, and I'm like, this movie's getting a lot of press. Um, even just the announcement of Batman versus Superman was getting a lot of press. So it's it's something that's really going to get butts and seats. I remember that was something you said this sequel needs to do is have something to get butts and seats, and that's what Ben Affleck's going to do. And even more so if you get a good good solid actor to play the villain that's going to happen yeah and or villains and uh it's going to happen it's going to be huge and i got to tell you um marvel as as much faith as as i have in their ability to make money they've got to be wishing people would talk about their movies like that again yeah i mean it's a lot of free press and it's it's a lot of buzz and i mean i know even 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 though it seemed like marvel won hall h uh, right. at San Diego Comic Con. In the long run, though. In the long run, it seemed like the uh, organic uh, press and the or- and like the er- un- I guess it's sort of the unearned marketing mm-hmm. around uh, Batman versus Superman or Batman Superman or whatever the heck this thing is called it still has no title. Um, that that the 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 public perception around that just really built out of just literally saying, "Hey, we're making a movie with Batman meeting Superman," and it's possible that that could end up carrying it through all the way to summer 2015. I mean, I know that we still have to like see a title, we still have to see a story, mm-hmm. we still have to understand what the movie's even about. But um, there's a lot of excitement there. I think yeah. there's more excitement there. I mean, Avengers two has nowhere to go but down from a box yeah. office perspective. So there's a there's At a least, hole to be filled. Right. At least on the bright side of things for Marvel, they've got three movies before Avengers two, and then they've got Avengers two coming out before this comes out. So it's not like Disney's going to be strapped for cash. No, 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 no. They got a lot of goodwill too that DC right. uh, Warner Brothers DC Entertainment doesn't have. So right. I mean that's 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 going to be the thing at the end. All I mean the safe bet is still to say Avengers two is going to make more money. But I mean it's just something to keep your eye on. I mean there there's I mean it's very possible that there are these DC movies. I don't know what they're going to do, but it, it, they could just like switch off Zack Snyder and Ben Affleck constantly. But as, as directors, I mean if they have two guys yeah. that uh, could sort of build up that universe, Ben Affleck dropped out of like almost all of his commitments as a director at this point. Um, to sort of like clear his schedule to get ready for 2015 yeah. and beyond. Um, he dropped out of the stand, for example, and he pushed off his uh, Dennis Lahan, Dennis Lahan ad- adaptation that uh, was supposed to come uh, within the next couple of years. So uh, it's it's interesting. I don't know what they could do next. Do you think he'll be good in the <laughs> role, though, Shane? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I think he's proved himself over the past couple of years and. Um, there are certainly worse choices. Um, it's definitely arguable that there are certain, certainly better choices, but I think in terms of what Warner Brothers needed, um, we could have gotten a lot worse. They could have just gone for what would have been the box office draw, but we got, we're getting what is both a box office draw and also a talented person. Yeah, so. I, I agree. Um, I, I think he's, he's not the most dynamic actor, but I'm not sure that a dynamic actor is really needed right. to play Batman. You know, Batman's not exactly a dynamic character. It's no. everybody around Batman that's dynamic. Exactly. It's not Hamlet. You know, it's and at, at this point, I'm not expecting it to be art. Um, right. It's a Zack Snyder movie, for God's sake. <laughs> I, I'm expecting it to be enjoyable and fun and escapist entertainment now, and that's fine. You know, it, it, I've come to the terms with that. But um, I still want it to be good. 
<laughs> and uh, you know the idea of a forty-year-old Batman sounds good to me. I mean, prime Batman. I think I think Ben Affleck can pull that off. He's got the right swagger, and he's certainly big enough. He's about six yeah. foot, what four, six foot five, and uh, got sho- shoulders like a barn door. So I, I, he might be taller than Henry Cavill, for all I know. Um, so I think that could be really uh, a great choice. Could be a masterstroke for Warner Brothers if it pulls off right. Um, but we're going to be suffering through some like ridiculous uh, uh, Matt, this, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck jokes for the next. It's going to be a long haul to 2015. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be brutal. But you know, they invited it themselves. I think they they're expecting it. And Ben Affleck, poor guy, all the abuse he's gotten heaped on him the past couple of days. He hasn't uh, he hasn't come out and said anything yet. So that's yeah. uh, you know he, he's still uh, sort of media quiet even on his Twitter. So <laughs> I, I'm stoked, man. I think I think uh, it's one of the first best moves they've made, and now uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who they cast as the villain. So, in terms of comics, Shane, uh, you know, I finally caught up and read all my comics. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, but I, uh, I did get a chance to get into both of the big uh, Marvel and DC events. I got a chance to read like sort of my uh, the stuff I had left behind. I finally, finally finished Thor, which was really exciting. Uh, it was a very good end to that story. Yeah. Um, but, uh, as somebody who's actually been keeping up week to week and, uh, you know, what, what would you say it was your best read of the week this week? Um, I think far and above the best week read I had this week, which I was kind of surprised it ended up being my best read of the week. And I, I'm still kind of surprised seeing how it's really just in the final pages that this issue became my best read of the week. But I think Wonder Woman was the best thing I read this week. Yeah, it was pretty jamming, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I was. I, I really enjoyed that book a lot, man. It, it it was. It had a lot of kind of the traditional action we've come to expect from this series. I mean, that story's still going on about that baby and the firstborn and all the different gods and stuff. And but then, like, we're kind of getting the traditional action that we've seen. We get a little bit of a step up in the stakes with uh, Wonder Woman taking off her. Uh, what does she call her wrist things? Uh, her her shackles. Shackles, yeah, whatever. So she let her full power out. Didn't exactly work, but she did it. Yeah. And uh, it was. It, it's not even that. It's just that the twist happens with one of the gods, and then that line from Hades, and it's just like, oh man, this book is about to have a huge change come to it. Yeah, I mean, a huge status quo change, and I knew there was a change coming because um, I read on Twitter from Oliver Sava, who writes for AV Club, he said that there was a massive, you know, very interesting status quo change in Wonder Woman, so I said, oh, I can't wait to see what this is, i got to read this book now, <laughs> and it did not disappoint, I, I, have, no. I have to say, I mean, um, should we spoil it at this point, since we are past, like, we're, we're going to be hitting Monday, so... Yeah, um, alright, so, Wonder Woman's the new god of war. <laughs> yep, uh, yeah, poor old Ares gets stabbed right through the gut in order for Diana to be able to stab, uh, the, the firstborn. First yeah, so, yeah, now she's named the new god of war, and, uh... It doesn't seem like it's official yet, like, I don't know if it became official the second she did it, or if there has to be something that happens... Because all Hades said was, you're going to be an interesting god of war. Yeah, she seemed like the heir apparent, and it has a lot to do probably with her lineage to Zeus and the fact that, I guess, uh, Apollo 
is sort of the uh, he sits on the throne at this point, right? Right. Of Olympus, right. and he didn't seem to have any issues with her becoming the god of war. So um, that is, uh, you know, as pretty as official as it gets, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah I, I have no idea how this will impact the storytelling <laughs> at nope. all. Um, but it's but, it's exciting. Yeah. I, I think it's it's a great way to breathe fresh air into this story that was starting to become quite quite stagnant right and and will it affect anything that's going on in uh, in the rest of the dc universe probably not nope <laughs> but that's the way it's been it's, this the way azarello acts uh at conventions no <laughs> yeah probably not but it's still i mean you know he can act like a kook all he wants i mean it's it's good writing man and yeah. i i was thoroughly thoroughly impressed with this issue i i that cliff chang's art lovely as always and i I mean, it's the best book DC puts out, bar none. I yep. mean, there's 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 like no even. I mean, there's a couple there's a couple little bit of close competition, you know, be it Green Arrow or whatever. But uh, or and, and Snyder's Batman, but oof, Wonder Woman is just always just awesome. And I'm glad this arc is finally over. I don't want to see. Yes. I don't want to see that baby anymore. If I well, can. And then, well, we still get the Firstborn in Villains Month, but other than that. <laughs> I know. I, I I can't even. What else is there to say about the Firstborn at this point? I guess it's going to be like a prequel story or something. I don't know. An origin tale, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it's it, it it it's it's uh, it was a great great read. I I I fully agree with you on the read of the week. Except I <laughs> I got caught up on Infinity. Yeah. And I thought the first issue of Infinity was pretty enjoyable. I mean, I, I didn't fully grasp what was going on because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of characters. I mean, when you open yes. up a book and you see cast, yeah, <laughs> and you have to like, oh, I have to keep up with these people, the Space Knights, the Avengers, the the, the Builders, and all these different people, uh, it's going to be a little overwhelming. Um, but... I, I like that first chapter of Infinity, and then I thought, oh, I'm going to dread opening up this Avengers. But i got to say, I was surprised how much I liked it. It was a really exciting piece of action. Basically, the Avengers are, um, are going off-world to try and stop the Builders from destroying other civilizations and from coming to Earth. Yep. And so Captain America takes his big team of Avengers. The only person who gets left behind really is Iron Man. But so Captain Marvel, Starbrand, all these people—they're all going out to uh, Ex Nihilo. They're all going to meet the meet the Builder fleet, and they get they team up with uh, this sort of Council of Worlds that's made we've up. We've seen of, in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. So you have like you have the Super Scroll. You've got the uh, the Kree Supreme Intelligence, yep, the Shire guys. Um, and then you have a uh, oh Shi- I always pronounced it Shiar oh huh. it, could be, it could be Shiar I don't know I just call it Shiar um, and then you have Star Lord's dad there yeah yeah is that is that Jackson of yeah Jason or Jason, whatever that's, yeah uh, that's uh, Star Lord's dad got it got I never um, I never knew who that was but um, yeah this group this group had been seen in Guardians of the Galaxy before got um, it got it. Yeah, they, so they team up, and uh, things don't go well. <laughs> yeah, they're in space fighting the Builders, and then, meanwhile, uh, certain somebody's headed towards Earth. <laughs> right. I mean, this is basically, that's how it ends. I mean, they, they, there's well, a... Those last... Like, the Infinity, I thought it was a very slow build. It felt like it took a lot of time to have to set things up, and with it being a 60-page book, it takes a lot of time to set things up. Um, but those final pages with Thanos are what really got me excited for the rest of this event. Yeah, yeah. And, and I actually picked up Avengers this week because I, I I just knew that if I only got Infinity and I only got new Avengers, that I would be missing some part of this puzzle. Right. 
So I got Avengers this week. I didn't react to it as strongly as you do. You did. I, I would not call it my best read of the week. Sure. It's not my worst. Um, it's it's very interesting with Marvel doing these events. They're always so explosive out the gate. And Infinity's not been that much. It's been very much so a reserved book. Even though we have this space battle in this issue of Avengers this week, it's still a very reserved read. It, it, it is very slow still, and it's so, it still feels like nothing's really happened yet. I, felt, and I don't know how I feel about it yet. Well, I felt like this Avengers book picked up the pace a good deal. Like I, I, I right. feel like, and that could be because it was shorter. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I didn't think Infinity was that slow either. And I think the issue with Infinity feeling slow might have been because they were trying to lay down a little bit of background for people right. that are jumping on just to read Infinity. Because you right. got to remember, Infinity is going to be collected on its own as like a trade paperback that people are going to buy probably when Guardians of the Galaxy comes out or something. You know, it's going to be those things like I want to read something with Thanos in it, and yep. it's very likely that Avengers three might one day be called Infinity if they're calling Avengers two Age of Ultron or something. It'll be about the Infinity Gauntlet. I have no doubt about that. Sure. <laughs> so it, it, there's they, they're they're relying on this very clean Infinity title to be like a thing that draws people that are like coming to be interested in cosmic Marvel stuff and as a huge Marvel universe event, which they clearly tell you in the first page, a Marvel universe event. Um, I will say though, unlike uh, Age of Ultron, that Avengers, New Avengers, and Infinity all have just beautiful covers yeah. for this event. Yeah, I, lo- I love those blue covers. And I really, I don't like Lionel use art that often, but right. Avengers, it really worked for me. Like, I was really into it. It was good. Uh, Infinity had better art, but Avengers had good art. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Jim Chung, so. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, but it, it, his art was fine. I just thought Lionel use stuff looked really good. And I'm excited that. Um, uh, Jerome Opeña is eventually going to come back and do one of these Infinity issues too, I think. So, um, if only they could get somebody other than Diodato on this new Avengers book, I would be happy. And I, I tell you what, I really like that checklist in the back of Infinity too. Yeah. Um, I wish more crossovers would do something like that. Um, you know, if they don't have the straightforward part, whatever, whatever on it, like Trinity War does. Um, I, you know, if they have these tie-in books, I'd love to see this sort of like what's periphery and what can be ignored, and you know, that's that's uh, that's helpful. Um, I'm not sure that you can avoid anything that's not written by Hickman and or that's written by Hickman and understand the story. I don't know if right. Infinity will collect well by itself, but I guess we'll find out when Infinity Number Two comes <laughs> out. But yeah, that was my best that, read of the week. Yeah, I, I will say though that. Uh... Thunderbolts came out this week, and it was an Infinity tie-in as well, and I thought that was... It, it tied in Infinity pretty well to that book. Did it? Yeah, surprisingly. Huh. Um, they kind of... They did a status quo change, Charles sold it on the book, where now members of the team get to pick their own missions and everything, huh. and the rest of the team follows it. Okay. It's kind of a way to set it up where if somebody else takes over the book, anybody can write it now. Sure. Um, and so Punisher's name gets drawn, and... Uh, it has one of the funniest lines I've ever read in a comic book from Deadpool, which surprises me because I can't stand Deadpool. Um, they're sitting there, and the Punisher, they're like, okay, Punisher, what's our mission? And he says, oh, we're going to go to New York, and we're going to stop this mob family. And Dare- and Deadpool says, "I've that is the least surprising thing I've heard in my entire life. <laughs> and uh, so they show up in New York, and they're kind of worried because they have the Red Hulk on their team and all that. So they're worried about the Avengers showing up trying to stop them, and then they find out the Avengers aren't on Earth anymore. Uh, and then they're like, oh, well, I guess we'll be okay. And then it zooms out from Earth, and it shows all these spaceships heading towards Earth. Wow, <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Be I, interesting. Maybe I should try to read um, 
Maybe I should try to read uh, uh, Thunderbolts at some point. I, it, it's, it's, it just sounds like it's kind of a fun book. I, I don't know. It is. The art's a little grating uh, in the first arc particularly, but it's a fun book. Right on. Uh, yeah, I, I might I might check that out at some point. Um, it, only, only the Charles Soule stuff. I have no interest in the Way stuff at all. But uh, uh, You might want to read the Way stuff because uh, the Charles Soule stuff starts off a little confusing if you uh, haven't. Uh, uh, all right, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> of course, then again, it's probably going to get canceled and re- rejiggered anyway. Don't tell me so. that. Don't tell me that. <laughs> well, they are, so good. Hey, they already canceled Venom, dude. So it's, it, it's only a matter of time before they start canceling and relaunching anything that doesn't sell around 20,000 copies and unfortunately Thunderbolts is and Captain Marvel are right there. Uh, and X-Men legacy. It's another one I, I, that my prediction are that those books are not long for this world in their current forms. Anyway, Marvel now too on funny. its way. That's going to make me sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So, okay. If that was your best read of the week, uh, wonder woman, what was your worst of the week? Batman and Nightwing. <laughs> okay, tell me about it, because I stopped reading the Tomasi stuff. I, I just oh, it's the end of the the stages of Grief Arc. Yeah. Um, it takes place completely in the Batcave. Um, Batman's going through all these simulations of Damien's death to see if he could have stopped it, Yeah. if he could have done something different. And so Nightwing just shows up and decides to join him and does that, and he proves, and then him and Bruce work together in the simulation, and they actually save Damien's life in the simulation. Uh-huh. And I don't, they don't really explain what that proved. <laughs> it's like, well, why isn't Bruce upset that Nightwing wasn't there to help him and things like that? And it, it, it was a very um, dissatisfying bow tied onto this story. Um, there was a nice scene where you had Alfred put on go through the simulation as well, where he you find out that the night Damien died, Alfred could have stopped him from leaving the Batcave. Um, and it, I mean, it's okay. It's kind of just a oh, everybody feels bad about Damien being dead, and everybody feels like it's their fault. And Bruce isn't ready to accept his death yet. And even though Nightwing's name is on the title of this book, he's kind of hardly in it as par for the cur- course for the rest of these books. But, um, yeah, it was a very lackluster end, and I was just, I was not very impressed with it. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I just had some guy, I had it up to here with Tomasi's writing on Batman, like, I... I'm sticking with it just because he's doing Two-Face, and you know how much I love Two-Face. I know you do, and maybe that'll be when the book finally picks up, but, I mean, who wants to read six issues of moping? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just, this is going on and on and on, yeah. and, I mean, that's why I appreciate what Snyder's doing, he's just... Yeah, all the moping over the death of his son, which I understand. I mean, it's a horrible thing, blah blah blah. But I mean, I, and I, I get it. But uh, they, you know, they just they they they've just completely skirted all of that. Right. Batman, I, I, they, I, right they could the have action. done it right. They could have done it with the silent issue, and they would have been good to go. Right. Um, it was, although I did like the Frankenstein issue, I think it was Batman and Red Robin. Yeah, uh, I, I liked that one a lot. Yeah, I, I, and I bought that was one of the last ones I got. Um, I think Batman and Red Hood was the last one I got of that whole. That one was. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's when I was like, I, I gotta stop. But um, it it just it, it it's interesting to me that this is like the last vestige of the Grant Morrison Batman. At this point, they pretty much wiped all of that clean, and I think you're going to hear hear fewer and fewer references to Damien and Batman stuff uh, once the, once this whole like storyline ends and they decide whatever they're going to do with Batman and Robin. I don't know because uh, 
that one of the issues in the Two Face story is Batman and Carrie Kelly. So yeah, maybe something with Damien's gonna show up. Maybe, maybe, but I, uh, she's she's gonna be the new Robin. She has to be. I, I just think they're trying. They want to wipe away the continuity issues that are caused by Damien, and keeping him around was probably a mistake in the first place. Um, they probably should have thought that through a little better because then you got like, why do you got this 10 year old kid and Batman's been Batman for about five years right, and, and right. none of it makes any sense. And I mean, the five year timeline was also problematic, but there's just all, so many darn Robins. I mean, there, there's a lot of issues with Batman and I think they're trying to minimize what those issues are. And they're trying to make it a little simpler for people that are not trying to figure out like every little facet of Batman. Um, I think Damien is just going to be one of these things that's going to eventually just be forgotten, is my guess, but I don't know. Um, but hey, at least he's got that pretty Patrick Gleason art. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, that, that, I, I kind of dig it. But, uh, okay, my worst read of the week was the uh, last issue of Legion of Superheroes, which was Legion of Superheroes number 23. Um, I mean, it wasn't a horrible read. I mean, it had really nice Kevin Maguire art. And it certainly did not offend me as a reader, but it was a bit of an unceremonious goodbye to the team that I have read pretty much my entire comic book reading life. Um, I'll just put it this way. It's the um, aftermath of their battle with this group called the Fatal Five, and they've basically destroyed... Uh, the the you know the metropolis of thirty first century and their headquarters are, are damaged blah 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 and they're just dealing with sort of the ramifications of it and by the end of the story the science police come in and say hey we're we're taking the legion of superheroes apart and uh, you're done goodbye and everybody goes home and everybody uh, goes off to live their lives and that's basically how the book ends oh wow pretty boring <laughs> right I mean little li- very little happens. And the only eye-opening thing that occurs is that um, there is a throwaway line. Yes, there's a character named Bouncing Boy. And (laughs) Bouncing Boy uh, talks to his wife, Duplicate Girl, or whatever she's called at this point. She used to be called, like, Triplicate Lass or something at one point or something. Triplicate Girl. Uh, But now she's Duplicate Girl. And he says – he mentions uh, a throwaway line about Steppenwolf killing Superman – which firmly places the Legion of Superheroes at in the 31st century of Earth 2. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> you know, despite the fact that Legion lost, uh, the, which was the spinoff title of Legion in the New 52, that that was they went to the um, Earth 1 or Earth Prime or Earth Zero or whatever the hell the New 52 Earth is called. They right. were in the present day of that. They're apparently from the future of Earth 2. So, yeah. Um, Earth 2, future. Awesome, I guess. Uh, so that means the decks are cleared now for Justice League 3000 in December now, I think is when that's coming out. Something like that. Yeah, so that will be the future of the new 52 universe. And uh, that's fine, I guess. I mean, it wasn't exactly a great run of books anyway, the new 52 Legion. I was never excited to read it. And I was always a little, uh, I don't know, it, it just it felt like an animal that needed to be put down more than anything. Um, it's, it's, it's a lovely concept. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Unfortunately, there just hasn't been a writer that's really worked on it in quite some time. So and Paul Levitz has kind of choked it, um, you know, with his, 
His unfortunately very dated, a little bit of hacky writing these days when he used to be the master of that concept. Um, so yeah, it was it was rough. Nice Kevin Maguire art, but in the end, I mean, it didn't even have like a mention of Justice League three thousand. It just kind of ended, and uh, <laughs> that's that's the end, man. Closing the book on those characters, maybe forever. Who knows? Uh, we'll we'll see. But yeah, Justice League three thousand. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> no, I think I am. I mean, Keith Giffen is certainly a more interesting writer than Paul Levitz. So Keith Giffen with a scripter like J.M. Demetrius, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it. Howard Porter art. I'd like to see what future Superman and Batman and all these characters look like and what they're all about. So uh, yeah, that, yeah, I, I'll pick up the first issue. Uh, it'll be my <laughs> replacement for 30th century stuff at this point. And I guess that's why they kept saying there would be no connection to the Legion because they're from a different fucking universe, apparently. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, well, that's our best and worst of the week and a uh, good, good number of comics worth reading and uh, certainly some good stuff coming out here and the coming end of the weekend. So, Shane, let me ask you, man, what are you looking forward to most uh, for uh, this coming week and weekend? Um... I'm trying to think of what movies come out. Th- oh, <laughs> uh, I know what movie comes out this weekend. But um, in terms of comics, uh, New Avengers Infinity section comes out. And New Avengers is usually the better of the two Avengers. Yeah. Um, that'll be good. Um, it looks like from the cover that the New Avengers, while the Avengers book dealt with uh, the Avengers in space fighting the Builders, it looks like New Avengers is going to deal with Thanos going after Black Bolt. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be awesome. Um, Trinity War comes to an end. Um, I will say none of the issues of Trinity War have met the height of the first issue for me, but that the most recent issue at least had enough stuff in it and that twist towards the end were enough to get me really excited for this conclusion. And um, in terms of movies coming out this week, uh, I think there's two that come out this week. Um, and there's one that I want to see, and I'm ashamed to admit how badly I want to see it, but I will not be seeing it in theaters. So. Okay, well, what, what movie is that? Go ahead. Uh, I'll say it's directed by Morgan Spurlock, I'll say that much. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What is, it, what is it? I don't even know. Oh, really? You're going to make me say it. Yeah, what, what movie are we talking about? It's the One Direction movie. Oh, right on. I, wait, I didn't realize Morgan Spurlock was directing yeah. the One Direction movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, all right. That's quite a turnabout face for him but uh yeah, it is. <laughs> all right now yeah, fair enough um yeah I'm, I'm not probably gonna see that until it comes out on blu-ray I, but, yeah. hey i had no idea you were such a fan shane I, that's cool uh, not a big enough fan to go brave the crowds of teenage girls no <laughs> i didn't realize that they were such a popular thing i mean i saw oh, they're, they're, they're huge <laughs> wow how about that um okay so as far as like things i am looking forward to I know that I'm super stoked for the end of Trinity War. I mean, I mean, as stoked as I can be for what right. I already know is coming. I mean, I know what the end is like. Yeah, I feel like we pretty much already know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely sort of anticlimactic, but at, at the same time, you know, I like the Crime Syndicate. I'm looking forward to seeing them reappear and let's get on with it. You know. Yep. Uh, Villains War book or Villains Month books. Um, you know the the Count Vertigo issue I think comes out next week, so that'll be. I don't think those start until September. Oh right, sorry. Uh, this week's still August. <laughs> oh yeah, duh. God, it's, I, I'm already jumping ahead at this point. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, the close of that, I guess the the new Flash could be good. Um, yeah. 
So that's exciting. Uh, uh, Thor comes out again. Does it really? Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. wow! How about that? All right. So yeah, Thor. I'll, I'll read that. That'll be good. And <laughs> oh, the Batman Incorporated special that's coming out. So um, you know, we'll get one last taste of uh, international Batman intrigue, especially uh, Bat Cow, as written by Dan Didia. <laughs> so that'll that'll be cool. And then I'm also a little bit excited. For Lazarus number two, which I think comes out. Oh, that does. Com- it would be number three. Number three, Lazarus <laughs> number three, which is coming out next week. So that'll be fun. And I also think the next issue of Secret, which is uh, the Jonathan Hickman story that's like never gotten finished, that's coming out as well. And the last Fraction written issue of FF, uh, where he's <laughs> actually scripting the darn thing, is coming out. So that's also exciting. And then I'll also have Dragon Con coming up uh, for those of you who have not paid attention. I was about to say, that's what you got to look forward to this week. So. All weekend, yeah. So um, for those who haven't paid attention to our Facebook or our website, we posted up a schedule of some of the panels that are coming up for the comics track of Dragon Con. And I am a part of a group of guys, along with a part time Geekrexer, as I've taken to calling him, uh, Harper <laughs> Harris. Uh, who's joined us a few times here on the show. Uh, we, uh, He, I, and a, two other really good friends of ours, Tony and Eric, uh, also known as Zeno here in Atlanta, we have uh, put together some really nice comic panels. And I'm going to be hosting a couple of them uh, with Harper and Tony uh, on Saturday. So if you are coming to Dragon Con for the Labor Day weekend, please come to uh, Hanover F on Saturday at 2.30. You can see me and Harper interview Darwin Cook and Amanda Connor about Before Watchmen. Uh, then you can see Tony and I interview Neil Adams and hopefully George Perez uh, about their careers in D.C., and we can ask them some fun questions, and then you can come ask some fun questions. <laughs> um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of great guests like Mike McCone, who is recently announced as the new penciler for Justice League Canada. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll be neat. Um, you can ask him. Probably about, won't be able to tell you anything about that. Probably not. He probably just got the assignment, but <laughs> maybe maybe he'll have some 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 insider secrets. Who knows? And then a lot of other a lot of other really cool guests. Jimmy Palmiotti will be there, and uh, you know you can talk Jonah Hex with him if you want or something. Uh, Van Jensen about Green Lantern Corps and a number of other people. So uh, you know, come on down, come see us, come meet me, and I'll, both Harper and I will be in costume when we interview uh, Amanda and Darwin. So which will, that'll be fun. Uh, I'm dressed. I'm dressed as Hawkeye. So come find the Hawkeye. Hannah's going to be female Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. So hooray! And Harper's dressed <laughs> up as Orion from the New Fifty Two. So uh, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be uh, quite the quite the panel. <laughs> um, I'm developing my PowerPoint tonight. So uh, come 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 and see us at Dragon Con. It'll be good. It'll be fun. Shane, I wish you could be there. <laughs> yeah, I wish so too, but. I've moved into my new apartment, but there's almost nothing here, so I'm, all my other stuff, my parents are bringing it down, and we're getting all that settled this coming weekend. So, Right on. At least well, there's no school on Monday. That's all I've got to say about yeah, this weekend. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, hey, man, it, 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 you have a, a good rest of your week. We're going to wrap this right. one, but uh, we will uh, talk soon. All right. Bye-bye.